Okay, have a seat. We're going to be doing things a little bit different in light of our uh, theme this morning, our celebration about what God, uh, what God has done for us. And we always want to point, um, God has done so many things for us, but the cross of Christ becomes that, uh, that focal point of our worship and of our time together. And so that's really what it's going to be about. And so we are celebrating things. I don't know if you walked in today. I mean, you knew because we've been announcing hey, it's going to be Celebration Sunday. Um, but you kind of walk in, you go, oh, okay, so this, this, this is what it's going to look like. This is serious. And now you can really understand how r- this color of red or crimson or whatever it is doesn't go with very many colors, I don't think, but that's a whole other story. Um, it gives us an opportunity to get excited about what's happening and what God has done, is doing, and will do. It's good for us to think in, in, in terms of all three of those things, has done, is doing, and is going to do. Um, but if you're like a five-year-old who wandered into church today, um, you might be going, wow, this is different. This looks different, Mom. Now, it happens to be this five-year-old. His name is Matthew Vincent. I don't know if you know Ryan and Rachel. Ryan is one of our pastors. And uh, Matthew, it is his fifth. Are you, Matthew, are you in here right now? Are you, is Matthew somewhere? Maybe not. I don't see, I don't see a hand. Okay. Th- this is great. It's Matthew's birthday today. And he turned five. Are you ready? And so this is him. Oh, there you are, Ryan Rachel. Is he not here? He's, he's with the kids stuff. Okay, so literally this is Matthew walking in today. Matthew walks in and goes, wow, is all of this for my birthday? <laughs> and I know what you're thinking. Well, that's, that's presumptuous, right? Well, that's a, that's a big assumption that, that this church would do all of this for you. And then the more that I thought about it, would this church do all of this for Matthew? And honestly, I'm, I'm beginning to believe, yeah, we probably would actually. Now, it will get a little weird if all of you start saying, hey, by the way, my son's birthday is, or my daughter's birthday is, and then we have to have that awkward conversation, she's 28. <laughs> I don't know if she needs this. No, she, okay, if she needs it, I think we would do it. Like, I think we would do it. Now, now, I get what you're saying. It can get really complicated, but I thought this was all about Jesus, and, and it is. It really is all about Jesus. That's why when I have, like, a birthday party for my children when they were younger, it was kind of for them, and it was kind of for mom. It was even kind of for dad, even though he doesn't care about it as much as mom does. It was a joy to watch my children celebrate. Like it's just fun to watch. It's very interesting when you think about that idea of celebrating. Um, I, I can be the guy that's a little guilty of going, seriously, honey, it's our 25th wedding anniversary. Why do we need to do something special? Right? Can I hear a uniform, seriously? But I, I'm kind of wired up that way. Do you know people that do that? I don't know why we have to celebrate. And as I've gotten older, I've realized it's in part because I think something is broken in me. Truly. I think something is broken in me. It's good for us to just stop and to do things that are a little bit out of place. I mean, I I get it. I really do. Like, the more that there are people that I love, like, oh, wait till Heidi Mae. That's my new grandbaby that's going to be coming in August. Um, I like to refer to her as right now. She's still on the inside, okay? but one day she'll be on the outside and wait till her first birthday. Why? Because I love her. And as a, as a grandpa, it's just fun to watch 
It's just fun to watch. It's fun to be a part of that. It's just truly fun to celebrate. And I think sometimes people like me can kind of miss the opportunity to say, it's just good for us to stop and to give thanks in a really celebratory way. When you read the passages in the Old Testament, they love to just stop and to celebrate things. And I think sometimes we can lose that. One of the most interesting things about this It's Time series, for me personally, it's been a challenge for me to stop and say, wow, we need to spend more time being grateful. We need to spend more time stopping and praying for one another. We need to spend more time celebrating our ministries together. We need to spend more time talking about our life of faith. We need to spend more time um, in birthday parties to just stop and to say thank you, God, for the most simple and yet most profound things. And so that's what we're doing today as a church. We are giving thanks to what God has done, what God is doing, and what God is going to do. And all of those are coming together. And so in our time of teaching this morning, I want to go through kind of the bigger picture idea because we're wrapping up this It's Time series. We're getting back into 1 Corinthians again next week. But it's good for us to just stop, and I want to share with you like one of the major struggles that I've had in this series, because the major struggle that I've dealt with is on matters of gratitude and prayer and ministry and, um, uh, what was last week, give me a second, faith and sacrifice, in matters of that, they never really fit in like a Sunday. They never really fit in a topic. It's more like it... They're a part of a bigger puzzle. So every time I'm looking at these texts, I'm just realizing that, that the Bible comes to us not how we usually want most books to come to us, which is, can you give me a couple of tips in a section? But the Bible comes and says, you can't rip me up like that. This is about a life devoted to God. This is about a life dedicated to him. This isn't something, Jim, that you can use as a campaign to help people get excited about a children's ministry. But you can get excited about Jesus with this text. And you can get excited about what God is doing in the world with this book. And then from that, devote yourselves to young children and to families and to missions. And to, that's the way the Bible works. And I love that. And so I want us to see as we're wrapping this up why it's so important. There's a bigger thing that's holding us together, and that is this. A lifestyle of integrated obedience. Do you have that? Because if not, then it's, prayer over here and faith over here and gratitude over here and you wonder how they all fit together. Well, they all fit together because when you have a life that is an integrated obedience, a life of devotion and dedication to who Jesus Christ is and what he has done, then one of the first responses, I'm always leery of those where there's a step one, step two, step three. I'm always leery about using the baseball analogy. You stand at home plate and then you run to first and then you run to second. I'll, I have found that most of life is like t-ball. You hit the ball and run to third right? Most of life is more like that than it is. You have to be taught, no, you don't run to third. What is wrong with you? I'm just having fun. No, 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 we're playing baseball. You will run to first and fast all the way through, right? You have to be, you have to be taught to do that. You have to be taught, actually, to think that how these things fit together. And so I love just stopping and reflecting that the reason why we start with gratitude is we need to have this life of, of gratefulness, this life of gratitude that, that begins to well up in us, that causes us to constantly go back and to reflect. That's why we have the Lord's Supper on a regular basis. Let's be grateful for what God has done. That's why we come together and we sing praise to him so we can be reminded of what God has done so that gratitude continues to grow and grow. And then you're less miserly with your funds. You're less critical with other 
other people, you're more forgiving. Why? Because you look and in the, the, the backstage of your life, the backdrop of your life is literally this amazing reflection on what God has done for you. And then the most natural and easy thing it is for you to do is to give of your time to give of your um, relational energy, to give of your money, to give of you name it. You'll just give it all in light of what God has done for you. It's the most natural and normal thing. This, this life that we have in Jesus Christ finds its root. That's why when somebody's not living like Jesus, you can try to give them rules. You gotta stop doing that. You know that's not a good thing to do. You're a bad person. You know, I can't believe that you do that. And yet the Bible actually says that we go back and say, let me tell you what God has done for you. Let me tell you how God has gifted you. Let me tell you about this amazing gift that God has given to you. We start with the good news of Jesus Christ. And then that stirs up in us, in his, in his kindness, the Bible says, that leads us to repentance. Yesterday, a young lady at seven o'clock got baptized. Yeah, last night. She got baptized. And while she's in the water waiting and all of her family and friends are all kind of gathered around here, um, I wanted to say, I didn't say, but I wanted to, Morgan, I thought, explained it very well. But I, I wanted to say, listen, you do know, because she was so excited. You know those people? Certain things like birthday parties and baptisms, they get so excited. Look at me, look at what I'm doing. That's normal, by the way. I just wanted to remind her, you do know we're here far more to celebrate what Jesus has done. Like this celebration is about what Jesus has done. If we miss that, this makes no sense at all. We don't do anything without what Jesus has done. So whether it's your baptism or whether it's your offering or whether it's your praise, it's all in response to who he is. So if someone's not living the way the gospel is, like you can try to scold them or you can try to guilt them or you can just tell them about the good news of God and it is in God's kindness that we learn to be gracious and it is from that graciousness that we live a life that is honoring to him. The second thing that we actually talk, so Let's put that one up there, a life of gratitude. So, and the next thing that we're actually going to see after a life of gratitude then becomes this life of prayer. That the more that you reflect on who God is and what God has done, the more that you wanna communicate with him. This is why a life of prayer disconnected from gratitude sounds like this, hey God, here's what I want and here's what I need. Hey God, here's, can you do this for me and you could do this for me, can you do this for me? And, and so when I say, hey, let's, let's pray about how you can give to God, well, I've never even... I don't really pray like that. Like I don't have a need. I don't have like a concern. Like I'm not looking for a job. I'm not looking for, um, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not looking to be healthier. I'm not looking to kind of figure out my finances. So I really don't know why I would even need to pray. That's a prayer, that's a prayer life that is disconnected from a life of gratitude. But when someone is grateful for what someone else has done, there is this desire to know them and to talk with them and to commune with them. And that's what a life of prayer is. And so many of us, honestly, need to grow in that. To grow in that desire and that conversation. Well, where does it grow? Well, you just need to talk with him. What do I say? Do you even know who he is? That's why I never want to presume a life of gratitude or a life of prayer. But if you ask me, how, how can you grow in your prayer walk? Let me tell you who he is. Because I think if you knew who he was, you would want to talk with him. I think if you knew how he responds to those that he has made, and those that he has remade in Jesus, I, I think you would want to commune with him. And part of that integrated obedience is this life of prayer. Well, the next thing that we actually talked about then, what comes from this communion with God, it, this is a life of ministry. That as you're talking with God and you're living in the overflow of his gratefulness, then the most natural thing to, you, to do is to what? Is to serve. To serve for the glory of God. To serve those around us. Talking to a young lady, and she just said, 
watching all of these ministries be shared with us about what is actually happening just made me A, grateful, and then B, as I began to think about how grateful I am to be a part of a church like this, college student telling me this, I just can't wait to see how like my rest of my life is going to unfold, both at this church and other churches. And see, that's what's so critical. It's not, well, you do realize how much we got done without you. Do you realize how much we, no, 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 hey, chill, chill. Do you realize what Jesus Christ has done for us? Like, have you talked with him about how good he is and about how kind he is? Are you asking God, like, God, where can I serve and what can I do? God, looking at the gifts and the abilities that you've given me, how are you asking me to share that with others? See, those are part of that communion with God, flowing, overflowing from this gratitude for him. It's not just obedience. Say this, do that, act like this, don't act like that. It literally is more of a relationship. It's more like a a marriage or a family, which is why the Bible describes our relationship with Jesus as a marriage. Why the Bible describes our relationship to one another as a family. And families know how to serve one another. Why? Because we love one another. So it becomes this life of ministry instead of a ministry that I do. No, 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 this is my life. It is the natural overflow of God's goodness to me in my communing with him. That's why I'm serving in this area of ministry. Well, the next thing that we actually talked about after, after ministry was this life of faith. See, faith is that magical, mysterious, very tangible thing. The Bible describes it as both not seen. It is us hoping for and trusting in things that are not seen. And yet the Bible also describes faith as very tangible. Because of his faith, Noah built an ark. Abraham offered up his son. Moses walked out of Egypt And trusted God. And then walked back into Egypt to confront Pharaoh. Why? Because he was talking to this bush that was on fire that was not consumed. And he just trusted the word of the Lord. Wow. It is this interplay of seen and unseen. And that's what it means. So to have a life of that says, in light of what God has done, that I believe by faith, I believe this is where we are going. And I want to have a life that is growing in my trust of who God is. That is why I'm staying in my marriage. That is why I'm involved in this relationship. That is why I'm forgiving this person even though they don't deserve it. Why? Because God has forgiven me gratitude. Because the more that I talk with him, he convinces me of what is happening in my life. And he is calling me to trust him. And that is why I am serving in this area. And that is why I am offering my life, trusting the words of Jesus Christ. I think one of the most profound statements ever made was made by a gentleman um, when he was describing his desire to follow all of the commands of God in the Old Testament. And when asked why, he said, I follow them because I do not know the reason for all of them. Like, I don't know why God has asked me to do all of these things. Therefore, I will follow him. And you might want to call that blindly, but I would call it not blindly. It's not as simple as human thinking. It is not as simple as it was clear visibly, but it was that God has moved and therefore I am going to, and I have a long list of things that I do by faith. And it's just hard to stand up in a moment like this and say, okay, let's act faithfully. Let's act in a faithfully way. It's a life of this that comes from serving and it comes from communing and it comes from gratitude. 
And so that's how we end up to today, which is a life of sacrifice. And again, I mean, obviously you get the backdrop. A big part of all of this is because we believe that God is calling us to plan for the future. And part of that plan, part of that plan includes a building. And part of that plan includes giving to that building. But we will spend by far more Sundays not really talking about this. We're just going to be using it like this place. We're just going to be assuming it. And before we can ever assume it, there was a time when there was a planning for the temple, not just a using of the temple. And there was a sacrifice that needed to be given to the temple, not just a using of the temple. And that's where we are. That's the time that we find ourselves in. And and part of the Christian life is one that very naturally leads towards sacrifice. One of my favorite statements that comes from the Bible is David when he is um, deeply convicted that he needs to offer something up to God and he makes this statement, and I will offer up to God, or I will not offer up to God something that costs me nothing. Um, We are here in light of God's sacrifice. We are here in light of God's love for us in his gift of Jesus Christ who gave of himself for us. Therefore, a very natural and normal response that we will have to God is a sacrifice of all that we are. And usually when you're looking for something like that, you're looking for something that is motivational and is powerful. And so I'm so grateful for Google. I love to just take an idea and I like to Google like freedom quotes so that I could learn about freedom. Have something I could write on a post-it note and stick on my desk. I need to be reminded, that's a good quote. Wow, Winston Churchill again, that's a good quote, right? Abraham Lincoln again, that's a good quote. Well, I've taken the names off these, but these are some great quotes about sacrifice. And I just thought we would use them to, um, to inspire us and to motivate us. At this time, and actually in future times, how about this? A a, a woman that has given much of her life and her time fighting for um, just being treated kindly and equally in her part of the world made this statement about her courageous living, about the sacrifices that she has made for the advancement of women in her part of the world. She says this, people ask me about the sacrifices that I've made, and I always answer, I've made no sacrifices, I've made choices. Oh, that's deep. Like it is, that's one of those, okay, I need to write that down. What's she saying? She is describing um, part of her life, the more I had to read about her story, that I know it looks like a sacrifice, but this is a conviction that comes deep within me. And so I had to stand up for a moment and I say, am I going to continue along this path of injustice Or am I going to risk? Am I going to give till it hurts? Am I going to venture out there and even need to be courageous? And for her, it was just a choice. She wasn't doing it for like any kind of accolade. She she was just doing it because it just was presented to her. Are you going to speak up or not speak up? And she went, yeah, I'm going to speak up. Are you going to risk it or not risk it? And to her, it was like, I could not risk it, but then we'd have what we have. I'm going to have to risk it. I've thought about that statement. Like what I'm making here is a choice, not a sacrifice, it's a choice. That's a good reminder every time we have an opportunity to forgive, it's a choice. Every time we have an opportunity to stay in a relationship that's complicated, it's a choice. Every time the Holy Spirit speaks to us and draws us closer to him to be obedient to what Jesus Christ has done, it's a choice. I love having kids in here. It's a choice. See? It's a choice. 
Here's another one that I thought was really good. It says this, you will come to know what appears today to be a sacrifice will prove instead to be the greatest investment that you will ever make. You will come to know, which means sacrifices in many different areas, sometimes don't really look like sacrifices in the long run. They just look like it now. You will come to know, future, that what appears to be today, I don't think I can do this. Sacrifice will prove instead to be an incredible investment and maybe the most incredible investment that you've ever made. The fact that my wife, when I said, will you marry me, said yes, made no sense in 1989. Looks brilliant today, I think, okay? But do you see what I mean? Think about it. And I decided to go to college and stick it through. Only one in my family to do so. I decided to stick in that marriage. Everyone else was telling me I deserved better, but I remembered making that commitment. I decided to stick with it, and I'm so glad I did. And I had an opportunity to give, and I gave. I gave. Why? Because it was an investment, and looking back... (laughs) I've never regretted giving to kingdom work ever. I felt it in the moment, and then looking back, I'm so glad I did. Another quote. If you don't sacrifice for what you want, what you want will actually be the sacrifice. If you don't sacrifice for what you want, what you really want will be actually what you've sacrificed. It's so funny. We we know this in every other area of life. Like, son, if you really want to play ball, if you really want to play ball, then you got to do the time. Like, I, I know right now you don't want to do the time, but I promise you that down the road, you're going to wish that you knew how to play. You're going to wish that you had the ability. You're going to want to really wish that somehow you, back then, had invested. I, I remember asking each of my kids, do you want to learn to play the piano? And each of them said no. And I'm saying to them, I think you're going to look back on this moment and you'll regret some of these choices that you've made. But I will let you bear the full weight of this. That's why you ask them when they're two. It could save you a lot of difficulties. No, just kidding. You want to be careful about letting people have these opportunities and then not holding them to it. But in the end, so many of the sacrifices that we make, if we don't realize what do we ultimately want, what do we ultimately care for, Every one of us that is truly devoted to Jesus want those things of God. We want the life of faith. We want that life of sacrifice. We want that life of ministry. And the question says, like, are we now willing to sacrifice? Because in the end, if not, what you really ended up wanting, you will not have had. And that becomes the real sacrifice. I thought this was interesting. And as you know, love and sacrifice go hand in hand. I like these next two quotes. Love is not possible without sacrifice, and sacrifice is not possible without love. Love is not possible without sacrifice, and sacrifice is not possible without love. This one, love is, in fact, a willingness to sacrifice. Love is a willingness to sacrifice. That's why um, it always bothers me whenever I hear about how much it costs to raise children or to have children. Always bothers me. Like, I, I get that they're expensive. I've just never looked at my youngest son, Max, and just thought, oh, I so would have rather had the money. Like, I've never, I've never wanted that. I'm never, oh, Andrea, aren't you so glad we don't have like more kids? Because look how much money we have. Isn't this awesome? Really? Like I get, I get that there's an expense. But when it's love, 
Like it doesn't feel like it. It just doesn't feel like it when it's love. Like I know we can sit there and explain to our kids, you know all that I've sacrificed for you, but when you love someone, it, man, it sure, hear me, yeah, I guess there's a sacrifice in there. You know what I'm talking about? Anybody else know what I'm talking about? Like when it really matters, when you really love, it doesn't feel like a sacrifice. It just feels like the most natural and normal thing in the world to do when you love. Here's a good reminder, moms, dads, people who lead at work or in the community, anywhere. The prime role of a leader is to offer an example of sacrifice. I wanna, I wanna lead and so I'm gonna show you what it looks like. Speed of the leader, speed of the team. And if that leader's not sacrificing, if you're not sacrificing in your home, moms and dads, if you're just ordering people around, I don't think you get the opportunity that comes. Look at Jesus Christ. He led by example and he gave us the example. He even draws attention to the example. If I, who am your master, am going to wash your feet and to sacrifice, to wash your feet, if I am going to lay down my life, then you too should. Jesus Christ is that perfect example and wherever you go, you might wanna be the one in charge, you might wanna be the boss, but biblically speaking, the Bible tells us that we lead best by example. And next, sacrifice really means giving up something good for something better. Like I love that, giving up something good. Man, I'll tell you, I, I just, I, I, really, I really don't wanna be treated like this. There can be a goodness to that, you know. There really can be a goodness to that. Like, I don't know if I'm, I'm capable of forgiving. I don't know if I'm capable of sacrificing this level. I don't know if I'm able to be in this relationship. I don't know if I'm able to give of this financially. I don't know if I'm able to expend my time. I already feel like I'm at the end of my rope. And what I have is actually rather good. But I'd rather have. Like, what I, what I would rather have. I think about that a lot because there have been a number of times I've had the opportunity to give to building campaigns like this. And there have been a couple of instances where I'm not on staff at a church and I've kind of stepped to the side a little bit and went, well, I mean, somebody else will take care of that. This is where you don't raise your hand. Have you ever done that before? I'm gonna let somebody else take care of that. Looking back, I'm not proud of one of those moments. Not one. I'm not really proud at all. Um, you know what, I'm really glad I saved my money there. No, I, I wish I could go back and do it again to give up something good for something better. Well, I've saved my last two quotes for best. Uh, they are Jesus' words. Jesus doesn't really use the word sacrifice like that, although he models it wonderfully. In Matthew chapter nine, verses 19 through 21, Jesus says something about sacrifice that is quite profound. He says this, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust or nor, uh, where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Something good for something better. What I have now for something eternal. Something that is temporary, something that goes all the way to the end. And Jesus Christ says, like, this is a true sign. Like, I love the idea, and, and it's not even a wrong thing to, for my wife to say, I want, like, a physical, um, tend, I can hold in my hands um, something that, that shows your love for me. 
And that's not only just good for her, it's good for me. It's good for me to know that I love her. And here's an example of this. And Jesus says that, like where your treasure is, like that's where your heart is. He doesn't say it's where your heart might be. He seems to be rather clear about this. And we all know it's to be true. Whether it's our time or our relational capacities or our finances, we all know. We all want to pretend that it's not that big of a deal. But I promise you, it is that big of a deal. Is it not? It is. I just won't believe it's not. It is. And I love Jesus' reminder of this, which says that everything I give, everything I trust, everything I sacrifice is something that I will receive in eternity. That's a biblical truth. In Matthew chapter 16, verse 24, Jesus makes this very bold statement. He told his disciples, if anyone would ever come after me, they must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. Like sacrifice is a very natural part of our lives. As followers of Jesus Christ, it just is. If you want a life that doesn't involve sacrifice, then the Christian one is not one. (laughs) If you want a life that is about you, that is about your comfort, that is about your planning, then the Christian life is not for you. Our life by our nature is built around the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Therefore, by our nature, we are willing to let go of those things that matter most. Why? Because this is what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ in all areas of life. That's why we want to have an integrated life, not just a sporadic life. We don't want you to just give of your money or of your time. We want you to recognize what Jesus Christ has done for you and then to give very naturally, very normally, like a family would, to kingdom purposes. Please do not miss the opportunity that stands in front of you. And I don't mean giving to a building plan. I mean recognizing the fullness of how God works and jumping in in all areas of life to respond to his goodness. Because next week, we're back in 1 Corinthians. Isn't that awesome? I'm looking forward to it. But this will always be a part of who we are. We are in the middle of writing a story of our faithfulness to God in one aspect. So here's what it's going to look like you are most likely going to receive, hopefully, I, I still haven't received my, uh, uh, my brochure about the building campaign, so the good news is I was able to get it from where I work, but never came in the mail. Not kind of complaining about the mail system, but I did not get one in the mail. Either way, the way did Paul, did yours ever come? No, and Scott Irwin didn't get his either, so don't understand why that happened. But you should be receiving an envelope in the mail with a card inside of it that will allow you to be a part of our campaign. And we're going to be bringing them back next week and giving them together as, hey, this is what we want to do. And so it's that time. Hopefully you've been praying and thinking and reflecting upon what you're going to do and how much you're going to give over the next three years. And we want you to be praying about that. We want you to come from gratitude, a grateful heart. We want to come from your prayer time with God. We want to come from a a devotion and an excitement about ministry, from a life of trusting God, giving sacrificially to who he is and for what he is all about. Now, we've been working on this for a long time, and so we want you to be aware of where we're already at. I said that leadership needs to give an example of this. And so I say, I share some of these things for you in terms of an update, in terms of where we're at. I want you to know kind of um, that the staff and the elders have already been praying about this and thinking about this for a long period. And a number of weeks ago, a few months ago, actually, the staff came together, and the staff have already committed 
$226,000 from the ministry staff, okay? And we say that just to say, we want you to know we believe in this. We totally believe in this. The elders uh, then came together, and the elders, there's, ele- there's 12 of us, but I, was, I gave my number in the staff number. Um, uh, the other 11 elders came together and all gave and added another $430,000 from, from the eldership here at Sunnybrook, which means that, that there is a total of $656,700. We needed $5 million. We began, as you know, the last few weeks inviting you to different events, trying to get some people to give an advanced awareness so that today we could recognize where we're at and we have been given another pledge of 1.9 million. We are already at 2.6 million dollars. Really grateful for that. And so now we're trying to bring it home, letting everybody be aware of where we stand and where we're going. And we hope that you will, over the next seven days, pray about it and think about it, and then come back next Sunday with your card, saying, hey, this is what we believe that God is calling us to give. This is what we believe God is encouraging us to give for the glory of himself, for the benefit of future generations, particularly in family and uh, children's ministry, and for our own personal joy. Let's pray. God, thank you for this time together Thank you for um, what you have done and are going to do. God, thank you for the sacrifice of so much and for what we are about to even see with continued sacrifice. For God, you are good. And may we recognize that all that we have is from you, that all of what we do is for you. And so God, we give you praise and thanks. It is in the wonderful, eternal name of Jesus Christ we pray. Amen.